0: Right, well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? You guys survived the storms? It was a little intense out where I live last night, that is for sure. Well, man, what an incredible morning already. Just to spend time in the presence of God and just crying out, holy. There's just something about just, you could feel the Spirit of God moving in here this morning. Just touching people's hearts already and... Um, you know, it's always an honor and privilege to get to come in here and communicate with you guys, and uh, you guys make me and you make me feel like I'm at home. I mean, it's just a culture you guys have created here where you just welcome people in, and I mean, it's just awesome to get to come in here and be a part of that, and um, so this morning we are continuing in our series on the book of James, and we've been in this series for several weeks, and we're not even through chapter one yet, and guess what? We're not going to finish it today either. We'll still have two more verses to go after today. So, um, in fact, I had the opportunity to, um, a couple years ago, to lead a men's Bible study through the book of James, and it took us 12 weeks. So, there's just a lot of depth to this book and a lot to it. So, let's dive in and let's see what God has for us this morning. Well, so before we dive in, I just want to share a little bit about myself, though. I am a bit of a movie buff. So I love movies, I quote them all the time, um, I tend to reference them even in, in my messages and today's gonna be no different. But um, here a while back, um, so I have a camera bag that I have, I'm a, a, as a hobby, I do photography as a hobby. and But on my camera bag, I have several of these different badges and patches or whatever you wanna call them that I've put on my camera bags. So whenever we travel, I try to find one that I like and I'll put it on my camera bag. Well, earlier this year, We were in Kansas City visiting my wife's sister, and there was a farmer's market up there, and one of the booths in that farmer's market, they had these badges that uh, these people had had made, and uh, by the way, if you like farmer's markets, go to Kansas City. They have an incredible one up there, and I got to try shawarma for the first time. It was so good, And and again, I love movies, and really the reason I wanted to try it, can you guess why I wanted to try it? Avengers, right? Iron Man mentions it in Avengers. So I had to try it because he mentioned it because I love movies, right? But there was this, as we're looking through these badges, trying to find one that, would, that I can put on my camera bag, uh, one of my kids come, finds one. And I don't remember, I think it was Aiden. It might have been Miley. I can't remember. But I think it was you actually that found the one. Uh, but it is now on my camera bag. But this badge says, my brain is 80% movie quotes. The other 20% my wife will tell you is baseball statistics. So that's what fills my brain most of the time. So, um, And it's true. I mean, if you were to ask my closest friends, and uh, my best friend actually um, is the kids pastor's husband down in the Republic campus. He and I can have an entire conversation with simply movie quotes. It'll, it would drive you bonkers because we can just look at each other, have a conversation. It's all movie quotes. So, but that's, that's me. So today's going to be no different. I'm going to reference a movie this morning. So by show of hands, who in here has seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Don't be embarrassed, don't be shy to admit it, because I bet most of us have seen it. Come on, Napoleon Dynamite, that's just, that's me, that's my stupid humor, I enjoy stupid movies like that, and it's, I know, it's one of the dumbest movies ever. I get it, but to make it better, because my, my wife's not as big of a fan of the stupid humor like I am, but my daughter has a very similar sense of humor, and she shares in this affinity for stupid movies and stupid humor. She's, she has no idea I was doing this. So a couple of years ago for Halloween, if they can put this picture up here, she went as Napoleon Dynamite for Halloween. I love you, Miley. I'm glad you're just like me. It's so much fun. But for those of you, if you've seen the movie... You're familiar with the character, Uncle Rico, right? Well, if you haven't seen the movie, I'll give you a little insight. Uncle Rico is Napoleon's uncle, and he comes to visit. But when he comes to visit, he's full of these stories about how he could have been in the NFL, right? He says things like, you know, if Coach would have put me in in the fourth quarter, we'd have been state champs. Or back in 82, I could chuck a football over the pigskin over the mountains, I could chuck a pigskin a quarter mile. A quarter mile. Think about that for a second. I'm not going to make you do math on a Sunday morning. That is 440 yards. Now, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL. But not a single one of them is throwing a football, four field lengths long. Not happening. But that's Uncle Rico, right? Could have gone pro, be making millions, living in a mansion. But... Of all the times they show Uncle Rico throwing something, because he would, he would set up his video camera and he'd be out there in front of his van just chucking footballs, recording himself so he could send in these tapes to scouts so that maybe, just maybe, he could get into the NFL. But his best throw isn't even with a football. If you've seen the movie, you know this. He's sitting on the front porch with uh, Napoleon's brother Kip. And he's, of course, talking about how he could have gone pro and all this. Well, here comes Napoleon on his bike with his friend Pedro on the back. And as they're riding on this road, coming right up in front of Napoleon's house, Uncle Rico looks at him and goes, check this out. Picks up a steak. Now, I don't know how many people just sit on the front porch eating a steak, but he picks up the steak off his plate and just sidearm chucks this thing. Hits Napoleon right in the face. Stupid humor. I know. I love it. I enjoy it. But the truth is, We've got a bunch of Uncle Ricos in the church. People who are all about the talk, say all the right things in front of all the right people. But when it comes to the walk, it's a little bit of a different story. They can talk the talk, but can they walk the walk? Well, that's the question we're going to look at today. So James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Let's dive in. And perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we dive into your word this morning, and this is a word that was actually written by the earthly brother of Jesus. A man that didn't even come to faith till after Jesus had been crucified, buried, and rose again. A Jew who understood what it meant to live by a law, but then under grace wanted to teach us what it means to, means to live now that we've been saved by grace. So my, my heart this morning, Father, as we dive in, is that you would reveal to each one of our hearts where we are hearers of your word, but fall short when it comes to the doing. Challenge us each this morning. And give me clarity as I give you a word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's break this down. Verse 21. And this is going to be a little bit of an overlap from last week. And Pastor Ethan did an incredible job covering verses 19 through 21 last week, right? Incredible job. But we're going to tie into that a little bit and see where James is going next. So there's going to be a little bit of an overlap. So I'm just going to give you a heads up now. But verse 21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant weaknesses and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And that first word, therefore, it has this connotation of a cause and effect relationship with what came before it. And so we're going to have to even go back even just a little bit more to kind of fully understand where James is going next. And that's because if you look at the book of James as a whole, it's, it's, it's five chapters but really, it's just like this one long message with five points. It's kind of like this five-point message. In chapter 1, James is teaching us that we, we as believers, how do we go about handling trials and temptations? And so we need to have the con- that context in the back of our minds. We need to understand who James' audience was and why he's writing this letter. So going back to verse 1, it says, To the twelve tribes who were dispersed abroad. James is writing to the Jews who were believers of that day who had been dispersed out of Jerusalem. So we need to keep that in mind. And the reason he's writing his letter is to give some insight to these Jews who had been used to following a law. And now that they are saved by grace and no, long, no longer under the law, some of these Jews are starting to wonder, well, what is it I'm supposed to do with my faith? Is there something I should be doing with my faith if I'm no longer to be living under the Mosaic law? And that's what James is addressing throughout this letter. Living out faith apart from the law. And chapter 1 addresses living out faith in the midst of trials and temptations. And so what I want to do today is kind of break this down and look at what James was teaching and telling the Jews of his day. We're going to take a look at what he was trying to teach them and then take, take that and then go, okay, how do we apply that to our lives here today? So verses verse 21, he starts off with that word, Therefore. Well, again, that's a cause-and-effect relationship of what came before. So let's jump back real quick just to verse 19 and 20. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, when James says, be quick to hear, we have to remember, again, the audience and the context of what James is writing. So go back to verse 5. We're dealing with trials and temptations. Verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom... Meaning you lack the wisdom needed to withstand or navigate a trial. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Well, where is the one place that we can go to seek the wisdom of God? Right here, right? In his word. But let me ask you this. How did the Jews of James's day receive the word? They didn't all have one of these, right? They didn't have a Bible they could go pick up and go read they had to go to the synagogue and have it read to them. This is what James is ultimately implying here. Be quick to hear, meaning be quick to go to God's word. Be quick to consult God's word and slow to speak, meaning we should be quick to hear God's word and slow to speak into our own situation. Because what happens oftentimes when we start going through trials and temptations, we're quick to want to tackle it ourselves and even just complain about it to other people. We say things like, this just isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Why is this happening? I can't believe this is happening to me. And we complain about it, and we get frustrated, and we get angry. And what James is saying is rather than being quick and speaking our own frustration and complaints or speaking our own solutions, we should be quick to go to God's Word and hear what He has to say about our situation, about our trial and our temptation. And when we do that, when we're quick to hear and we consult God's Word, We are then slow to get angry about our situation, and we see it how God wants us to see it. We begin to see our trials and our temptations from God's perspective rather than our own. And in turn, we are able to put away filthiness and rampant wickedness and catch this, receive with meekness. And another word there would be what? Humility. Receive with humility. This is not doing things in our own powers, but under his power, receive the implanted word, which is able. To save your souls. James is saying when we seek in humility his word, then we are able to put away with filthiness and wickedness. Look at Psalms 119:11. Says I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Keep the word implanted in your heart, seek his wisdom, seek his word, be quick to hear when facing trials and temptations, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. James goes on in verse 22. What's he say? But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Keeping in mind this context. Being quick to hear. But it's not enough. It's not enough to hear the word. It's not enough to just hear what you read. You've got to go to the next step. If I could say there was one indictment on the church today. It would be this. We've become hearers of the word and not doers of the word. We're good at giving lip service to the Bible and to God's word. You know, we we say the things, you know, we say all the right things. You know, well, I read my Bible. You know, I'm studying my Bible. You know, look at this. I've got all these verses written on the walls of my house. We're good at giving lip service. But are we allowing it to change our thoughts and our actions? Let's break down what James is saying here. James says, be, or another, another translation says, prove yourselves, doers of the word. That word be, or prove yourself in the Greek, is the word genomai. Genomai. It means something that has been done or accomplished. It's a demonstration through action. So in this context of trials, what it means is that we live in accordance to God's word in the midst of trials or temptations, and we're going to see that through to completion. And James is going to use this analogy of a mirror. To drive home this point, he's going to give us a couple of options. Let's check this out, verses 23 through 25. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James here gives us a couple of options. Once we've been quick to hear, once we've consulted God's word, we have a couple of options. Number one, we can hear it and tell ourselves, you know what? I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need this. It's for somebody else. Let's get real for a moment. How many of you have ever been sitting in a a service similar like, like this one, and you've got, a, you know, you've got a pastor on stage who's just hitting home, hitting home, and he throws out a word, throws out a point, and you're like, "Woo, amen, I'm so glad so-and-so was here to hear that. Let's be real. We determine, yeah, it's not really for me. I'm already living according to God's word. And just like verse 22 says, we're deceiving ourselves. Because the second option the second option is this. We can consult God's word and we can look into that mirror and have an honest heart with where we are spiritually. See, I don't know about you all, but I do not like looking into a mirror. I'm gonna be real, the longer I look, the more imperfections I start to find. There are times I'll look in the mirror and I'll start looking and I'm like, and I thought I looked better than that. My memory must, must not be that good. <laughs> I thought it'll look better than that. I you know what they say. I guess they say the camera adds ten pounds. I think the mirror adds about ten to fifteen pounds. Let's let's just be real. I don't like looking into the mirror, but you know, not all of us are are graced with, you know, the perfect looks like Pastor Jesse. So not not all of us like looking in the mirror, Pastor Jesse. It's giving you a hard time, man. It's true, right? So We can look into the mirror of God's word and we have to look intently and with an honest heart. Are we aligning ourselves with God's word or rather do things our own way and in our own power? You know, we're going to come back here just a little bit to this analogy of the mirror. But before we do, I want us to take a look at four things. Four practical things to consider from here in verse 25 of James chapter 1. The first thing I want us to see is that God wants us to investigate his word. God wants us to investigate his word. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law. That word looks, it's perikupto in the Greek, means to stoop down, gaze in, investigate. That same word is actually used in Luke chapter 24, verse 12. It says, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, perikupto. He saw the linen Claws by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Stooping and looking in, Peter investigated the tomb. And in the same way, we are to stoop down, gaze in, investigate the perfect law, God's word, when we find ourselves in the midst of a trial. In other words, we need to refocus our attention from what we want to do and how we want to go about our trial, and refocus our attention on God's word. And just like a mirror, you have a couple of options. You can either glance at it or you can gaze at it. And God wants you to do more than simply just glance at the mirror. Just quickly read your daily Devo. He wants you to do more. He wants you to stoop down, gaze in, meditate, study it, investigate it. Ezra 7.10 says this about Ezra. It says, Ezra devoted himself to studying God's law, practicing it, teaching it. And that's what James is teaching us to do here. When we find ourselves in the midst of trials and temptations, we need to investigate his word. And then the second thing is, God wants us to remember his word. Remember his word. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no here who forgets. Being no here who forgets. So let me ask you this. What's one of the best ways to remember something? Now, I'm gonna, I'm, a little disclaimer here. I have a terrible memory. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So amen over here. My, they know sometimes I have a terrible memory. Um, as a matter of fact, and I have been, so my son is in band, and he has to go to band practice every morning at the school, and we have to get in there by 6.30. And inevitably, you know, I've got three teenagers to get out of the house. Two of them are girls sometimes it can be a little more difficult than others to get them out the door. So sometimes we're in a hurry, and I'm, I can be tired, whatever, but I can act, I'll be driving. I'm taking him to band practice, taking him to the school, and I will miss the turn because I am so lost in something. I, I am so forgetful. My wife could send me to the store for something. Halfway there, I've forgotten what I'm going for. I have to text her. I'm like, hey, what am I getting? It's terrible, but what's one of the best ways... To remember something. well, One of the best ways to remember something is to continually think about it, right? Or another, another way to say it would maybe be repetition. Psalms 119, 97 through 98 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. goes back to verse 21, the implanted word. We need to remember the word and have it planted in our hearts. And that first starts with digging in, investigating, it. it's repetition, remembering his word, and then third, God wants us to apply his word. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. And this right here is where I feel like the church gets the most off track. Because this is the opposite, this is that corollary to being quick to speak and get angry, because oftentimes we are so quick to act out in frustration and try to deal with our own trials. And we have to be careful here too because I want to point this out. James isn't arguing for us to be doers in the sense that we assume a more active Christian lifestyle. Remember, the context of James is how we deal with trials. And in this sense, what James is saying is that by being a doer, we are people who are putting God's wisdom and instruction into action in the midst of trials. But if you hear from God's word, Consider it, but never take the steps to put it into action in your own life. Then you're the forgetful here. And ironically, what can happen is we can get busy doing church things, right? Serving in one way or another, getting involved with the Will-Fed Food Pantry, the Ozarks Food Harvest Food Giveaway. And we may feel like the doer, because we're doing all of these things. We may feel like the doer James is asking us to be. But in reality, we're not actually taking God's word and applying it. And so in reality, we're still the forgetful here. We're still the ones who look at ourselves in the mirror of God's word, and instead of hearing and taking steps to adjust our life to look like Christ, we're distracting ourselves by our works of religion and doing Christian things rather than just being a Christian. And that's really where James is going to go next in verses 26 and 27 as he closes out that first chapter. But here in verse 25, James is emphasizing the importance of not only hearing, and consulting God's word in the midst of a trial, but going the next step and applying that word so that we can persevere through trials. And ultimately, through it all, God wants us to be rewarded by his word. When we apply God's word in, in our life, in the midst of a trial, we will be blessed in how we handle and navigate that trial. Look what it says. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. And it's interesting because I think people tend to struggle with the idea of God's blessings in his word. Because it's not always spelled out clearly, right? There's not, you know, if you give a dollar, God's going to bless you by giving you $100. Or if you're kind to others, then God's going to bless you by having everyone else be kind to you. Or if you forgive others, others are going to forgive you. It's not spelled out clearly like that. Let's think about some of the promises in God's Word for just a moment. And these are not I don't think they're going to be on the screen, but I want to, I want to go through these. Psalm 1, 1-3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The psalmist says that those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his word will prosper. You'll be blessed in all they do. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Did you catch that? What Joshua 1.8 is saying. It's very similar to what James chapter 1 says. All four points are there. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, meaning it's spoken. You're hearing the word. He says, but you shall meditate on it day and night. It's that repetition. It's remembering the word. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Applying the word. And it finally be blessed by it. It says, for then you will, ma- you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. All four points are there. Hear it. Remember it. Apply it. Be rewarded by it. But the question is, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? See, many Christians talk a good game. We talk a big game. There's a lot of Uncle Ricos in the church. There are a whole lot of talk. They they know a lot, say all the right things, and they even agree with other Christians about God's word and what it says but do nothing in accordance with what it says. Especially in those moments of trial, when things get hard. Because I want to go back, let's go back to earlier when I said we'd come back to the mirror analogy. Let's go back to that for just a minute. For us to take a long look into the mirror, so to speak. Because we all go through trials and temptations, right? I mean, Jesus tells us clearly in John 16, 33, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. It's a given. We're all going to go through trials. But taking in consideration everything that we've seen so far in James chapter one, says we should consider it all joy when we face trials. And why? Because it leads us to a place where we mature and grow in our faith and with our relationship with God. It leads us to be more like Christ. But let me ask you this, what's your response when you start to go through trials? Do you react the same way the world reacts? Are you quick to complain, gossip, get frustrated? Say things like, man, this isn't fair. Why am I the one going through this? God, I've been trying to live according to your word. I've been trying to do what it says. And I think, that's, I think that's part of it because it's a whole lot easier to live according to God's word and trust his promises when everything's going good, when we're not in the midst of a trial, when we feel like God is with us and all is well. But what happens when things don't go according to plan? when the doctor's report isn't what we expected. When the boss comes in and says, hey, you know what, you've been a great employee, but the company's struggling, we're gonna have to downsize, and unfortunately, we're gonna have to lay off. What happens when we lose a loved one, unexpectedly? What do we do when it just feels like our entire world around us is crashing, when things get hard? What then? Are we still digging in and living according to God's word? Because I believe here in James chapter one and according to this passage, we find the answer to that question. So let's take a look at this first chapter. Overall is the mirror and really take a look at who we are for just a moment. In the context of trials, how do we know if we are doers of the word and not the forgetful hearer that we talked about today? Verse 25 says, we will be blessed in our doing if we act according to God's word. So what does that look like? Because if you're paying attention earlier, I started talking about blessings, but then I moved past it fairly quickly, pointed out what it, they don't mean, what it doesn't mean, but didn't really hit on what it does mean. I didn't give you a clear indication of what it means to be blessed according to God's word. And that's because I wanted to save that for the end, for this moment. So what does James mean that we will be blessed? He says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Meaning the one who looks into God's word in the midst of a trial and lives according to God's word, whether it's easy or not, and perseveres through that trial, will be blessed. Well, how is he blessed? How are we blessed? We'll go back to verse two. It says, you'll be blessed in the sense that you mature in your faith. When we seek God's wisdom and plant his word on our heart, then when trials come, we will have what it takes to persevere through trials and still live according to the word. And here's the key, become more like Christ as we go through and endure our trials. So let's go back to the mirror. Let's take a hard look in the mirror of God's word at what James is saying and ask ourselves, do we look more like Christ or less like Christ when going through a trial? Because that's the ultimate question that James chapter one is posing. If we're going to live out our faith according to God's word, then as we go through trials, we should consider it joy because in the counsel of God's word, we can begin to look more like Christ. But the question is, do you? Do you look more like Christ or less like Christ? because we can consult God's word. We can dive in, we can dig in, we can study it, we can investigate it. But it requires we do something with that word. We can't simply hear a word on a Sunday morning or read a quick Devo and call it good. We have to do something with it. We have to live out what we read. Like I said, there's enough Uncle Rico's in the world and in the church. There's enough people who walk in and talk a big game. A lot of people who talk the talk. But that's my challenge for you this morning, church. Let's not be a church that simply talks a talk. Let's be a church that walks the walk. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, James gives us a challenging word because we can come in here on any given Sunday, hear a message, and as soon as we start to walk out the doors, we've already forgotten it because we're more concerned about what are we gonna eat today? What's our plans into this afternoon? What's my week look like? And we can walk out and just simply forget what we hear. And especially when we're in the midst of a trial. Because when things get tough, we oftentimes want to take control and try to do it our own way. We can even know what your word says. We've studied it. We've read it. And we know what it says. We can even quote verses to somebody else when they're going through a trial, but when it comes to our own trials. And we're just quick to sometimes just speak into it ourselves and just get frustrated and angry and question you. And so my prayer this morning, God, is that as we walk out of here today, that we wouldn't simply be hearers of a word but to be able to walk out of here and live according to your word even when things do get tough that we would seek your counsel we would be quick to hear your word to study it to the point where where we just know it we remember it and then when the tough times come that we're able just to apply it so that in turn, we can be blessed by looking more like you. Because the reality is, God, I know when I've gone through trials, I look a whole lot less like you than I do more like you. And it's tough. And so God, that's my prayer today, that even for for myself, the one communicating your word this morning, I know you've challenged me through this, to be more like you in the midst of trials. Thank you for what you're doing here this morning. It's in Jesus' name, amen.